Let's all stand up. Let's quote together John 3:16. Everyone together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you believe that, can you say amen? amen? Man, that's a good one. Thank you. you. May be seated. That is great. So sometimes a lot of things I've known in my life are misnamed. Okay, they've just got the wrong name to them. But I'm going to tell you something I've learned in the last few months. I've come across these. This is rightly named. You know what they're called? Dad jokes. I'm telling you, dads are the only ones that laugh at them. Dad, it's just the weirdest thing. I have my own app now, Dad Joke app, and I read them to Marilee every day. She has not laughed at one of them. She doesn't laugh. I go like that, and I can't stop laughing. I go, that is the funniest thing. It's only dads. I've done it to teenagers, and they just go, ugh. Well, I got to tell you, I got a really good one yesterday, man. A really good one. How many... South Americans does it take to change a light bulb? A Brazilian. <laughs> okay, that's great. Yeah, like that's perfect. No one laughed, but I tell you, a Brazilian. Hey, by, by the way, by the way, you know my son, my son is studying to become a surgeon, but I hope he makes a cut. That was hilarious. My wife just looked at me after I said that. I said, that is like the funniest thing in the world. Hey, 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 did you know this? If you ever are injured in a peekaboo accident, you know where you need to go? I see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are so good. All right, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How many of you have ever, talking about Brazilian, how many of you have ever, when, when, uh, have ever been to one of those Brazilian steakhouses where all it is is meat? I mean, it's, all it is is meat. Well, let me tell you, I know the seniors are gone, Brother Shetler, so are you going to kind of like uh, entertain us with dad jokes? All? No, no, not at all. Matter of fact, there was a reason why I gave you the dad jokes. This is going to be meat all message long, and it is only going to be chewed by the maturest of people. Matter of fact, I think this may be the most mature step that we take as believers, but it's also our ministry. Now, our, what we're going to study today is going to be found in the book of Genesis. However, we need to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I've entitled our message today, Our Ministry of Reconciliation. Our ministry of reconciliation. If anyone asks, so what is your ministry? Oh, it's nursery. Yeah, let me just tell you. According to the scriptures, if you're saved, your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. This is a very, very mature concept, and yet it is one that all of us have the ministry of. If you're here to train for ministry, let me tell you what your ministry is. Youth work, no. Pastor, no. All of our ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to have an incredible example of this in the Old Testament in Genesis. But before we get there, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading at verse 17. Therefore, if any man 
be in Christ. How many of you are in Christ? Would you raise your hand? Amen. Then there's therefore now no condemnation. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You have a new nature now. Your nature is not that Adamic nature any longer. You have been saved from that nature. You still have the flesh in you, but you do not have that Adamic nature. You have a new nature in Jesus Christ. And all things are of God. Who hath, everyone together, what's the next word? Oh, that was terrible. We're going to say it quite a few times here, so help me out. All, thing, uh, all things are of God who hath us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of to wit, to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors of what? Representatives of what? The reconciliation being made right with God, that we were enemies and now we are friends. We have been reconciled with God. We now have the ministry of being ambassadors of that to other people. That you can be reconciled with God. And that's our ministry, is helping people reconcile themselves with God. However, let's go. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye for the fifth time in this passage, be ye to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hey, we're going to go to prayer. I'm going to take a moment. Hey, I'll tell you what. I want two men to come on up to pray for the Spiritual Leadership Conference. I need two guys. Two guys come on up here right now. Clayton and James. That'll work. I guarantee you. That'll work. Uh, Clayton, you pray first, and then James, and then I'll close us in prayer about the message, because I know what I'm really burdened for for this message, but I want Clayton and James to pray about Spiritual Leadership Conference. I want us to pray that we will be a blessing to those people that come and that God will speak to our heart and that we will see revival on this campus uh, this coming week. So Clayton, you lead us. James, you pray, and then I'll close us about the message. Let's pray. Our Father, our great God and mighty King, we thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. Lord, we thank you that you have begotten us into a lively hope. And Lord, there are pastors, missionaries, and evangelists that will be coming on campus that need to be encouraged, not that, that need to be reminded of that hope, Lord, that you have given us. We ask, Lord, that you will fill us, Lord, with your spirit those days. Fill us with love and grace. Help us, Lord, to say, encouraging words to them, to strengthen them, dear Lord. Help us to serve them in any way that they may go back to their places, Lord, where they're ministering and be charged, Lord, to preach the word of God. Oh, God, we need your help. 
We pray, Lord, something special will take place from this conference. We thank you and we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Lord God, as we continue in prayer, God, just thank you so much, Lord, for you, for your goodness. Even as we heard in song a moment ago that God so loved the world means even us, God. And I pray that um, as a result of the Spiritual Leadership Conference, God, that these pastors, again, would be encouraged that, Lord, if they've lost their soul-winning fervor, God, if they haven't been knocking as many doors or they've just grown weary in well-doing, God, would you just ignite a new passion in them, a new, uh, greater desire, God, for more people to come to know Christ as Savior, God. And I pray, um, God, specifically, God, I pray that we wouldn't rely on the, on the past spiritual leadership conferences and the past things that you've done, but God, would you do a new work in this upcoming week? God, would you show yourself strong? God, manifest your presence, um, and Lord, would you be glorified through all that takes place? God, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Father, um, since we're a ministry school, we better get a hold of the ministry of reconciliation. I pray that, Lord, through the life of Joseph, we will see the, the reconciliation that Christ has for us. But I think, Lord, what I really desire is that we would go beyond forgiving people, but we would learn how to reconcile with people. And, and, and Father, it, I am so thankful that we do not have a religion, we have a relationship. Reconciliation may be one of the most important words in any relationship. Father, we cannot live on this campus in rooms and dorms. There's no way that we can go a whole year in Lawrence or in Lori and not have problems and not say things, do things that hurt others and others hurt us. Father, if we cannot practice the ministry of reconciliation at West Coast Baptist College, we're not gonna do it at Pittsburgh. There's no way in Minneapolis it's gonna happen. Father, it's not going to happen in Seoul, Korea. It's not going to happen in Mexico. It's not going to happen in our ministry if we can't minister reconciliation at West Coast Baptist. So God, teach us today and then convict us. And Father, if we need to get right with someone, give us the, God, give us the grace to be humble. Lord, if we need to forgive somebody, Lord, I pray today, that we would swallow our pride, quit holding it over them, and not only forgive them, but have a new relationship with them. That we would understand the ministry of reconciliation, what your son did for us. We were your enemies, and now we're your friends, we're your children. God, help us to learn how to reconcile with others. And Lord, I think we have some great examples I pray that you'll help us today. May we receive a lot of meat. Lord, they got a lot to chew on today. I pray it'll be helpful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And those that are reconciled said, amen. amen. All right, take your Bibles now, if you would, and turn to Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. The last month, I have been studying in the book of Genesis for my personal devotions. And uh, that end of the Genesis and that life of Joseph just has always spoken to my heart. The whole book has just been great. I think I actually started in July, and it was basically my study in August and even coming into September, doing about a chapter a day. And uh, so I've been in, in Genesis. I finished it uh, actually yesterday, but it was last week in my devotions, something caught my eye. 
that I, that I thought like, you know, that's just a really interesting moment in the way that Joseph handled this. And uh, I want to give you, first of all, um, obviously we're talking about reconciliation, so we obviously need a definition on that, and then we need a definition on forgiveness uh, to begin with. Some of you have written down my definition of forgiveness before. I've actually tweaked it a little bit after this week. And uh, I think the tweak is very effective and, and very good. I, I don't think that I had a bad uh, definition before, but I think it's even a better definition now. First of all, reconciliation. We can give the theological terms and, and everything with it, but I don't know how much you would get it. Uh, but it is absolutely uh, the idea that you were enemies with somebody and now you're friends with them. You have been reconciled. The relationship now is a good relationship, a peaceful relationship. I put it down this way, from an enemy to a friend. From an enemy to a friend. That's reconciliation. Somebody that you thought was against you, you now have as a friend. That is what Christians are supposed to have as a ministry. We are supposed to turn enemies into friends. The ministry of reconciliation and, for, and to teach others that this is what God has done for us. That we were at odds against God and he sent his son that we could be reconciled. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Let me give you the definition of forgiveness. It actually popped up sometime during the, during the Sundays. Uh, hey, by the way, just, a, just something for you guys. I would definitely vote for Brian Russell. He needs more sense than Emma. I just cannot get anything over today. But anyways, here we go. Forgiveness, forgiveness. A choice of your will. Did they put it up? They had it up a minute ago. Okay. If we could put that up now, that would be really good. They had it up a minute ago. Forgiveness. A choice of your will to reconcile with an offender by erasing the debt that they owe you and letting God be the judge. A choice of your will. I'm telling you right now, forgiveness is a choice of your will. You can either do it or not do it. A choice of your will to reconcile with an offender by erasing the debt that they owe you and letting God be the judge. Okay, both these definitions will help us greatly today. Reconciliation, forgiveness. Oh, that's, I don't think I ever gave it to you. Forgiveness with relationship, turning an enemy to a friend. But I love that little phrase. Forgiveness with relationship. That is reconciliation. Reconciliation is a step beyond forgiveness. You can forgive somebody and not be reconciled to them. And we're going to talk about that. Matter of fact, I want to give you my three points because I think some of you are going to jump ahead in your mind about something. So here are my three points. The realities about forgiveness and reconciliation will be point number one. Number two, remote reasons not to reconcile. Brother Shetler, would there ever be situations that you would not reconcile? The answer is yes, and I'm going to give you five of them. I'm going to give you five remote reasons not to reconcile. Number three, repentance is the road to reconciliation. Repentance is the road. Okay, let's, let's talk about this. But before we do, let's look at our story. 
Genesis 42. So last week, I think it was Monday or it might have been Tuesday. I'm in my devotions. I'm in Genesis 42. And I don't know what you do when you read, the, when you read in your devotions the Bible. But this is why not only the preaching of God's word, you guys got to spend time alone with the Bible. That you allow God, it's just you and the Lord. The Holy Spirit is your guide. Nobody's telling you what to think. The Holy Spirit is guiding you. And that's why you've got to have that God and I time. And the other day, I mean, there was just a jewel that I got that I want to share with you. Okay, so Genesis chapter 42, verse number one. Here's what's happened. Uh, Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. We've got the seven good years. They are now gone. The seven bad years have now started. The famine has now started worldwide. Egypt has got all the food because Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream and said, hey, during the seven good years, bub, you better be putting it in storage and you better get someone to manage it. Pharaoh says, I can't think of any better, anyone better than you. You got it. Wherever Joseph was, he just rose to the top. So he's managing all of the food now, basically of the world in a sense. Genesis, by the way, Jesus is the bread of life, if that means anything. But anyways, Genesis 42, verse 1. Now, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, why do you look one upon another? Boys, we're dying of starvation here in Canaan land. Guys, we've seen all the caravans go through with the food. There is food in Egypt. Why are you guys sitting around looking at each other? And you know what? You, by the way, you all know the reason, don't you? Guilt. They don't want to go to Egypt because that's where they sold their little brother. And they all are living with guilt. We're going to come back to that. But I think that they're all looking at each other because their conscience is, is guilty. We'll come back to that verse. And he said, behold, I have heard that there's corn in Egypt. Come on, guys. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. Look at the next verse. And Joseph, Joseph's 10 brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt, except for Benjamin. Let's go down to verse five. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came. So here are the boys. You know, you got all 10 of them now. Uh, Benjamin's uh, with dad and uh, Joseph is in Egypt. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now look at this. And Joseph was the governor, Zaphaphaniah. He was the man over the land. And he it was that sold to all people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves. You guys know the story. You know that Joseph had two dreams when he was a young guy. He had two dreams that one day his brothers would bow down to him. Here's the fulfillment of it. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Now, they do not know that they are standing before their little brother to get the food. You all know that story. But look at verse 7. And in my devotions, I mean, it was just like, oh man, I just got to think about this. And Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them. So I'm studying my devotions and I'm thinking, hmm, this is kind of cool. So Jim, what would you have done? It's been about 13 years. He's about 30 some years old now. 
They do not recognize him because of what he's got on and because he's a much older man. He was 17 the last time they saw him. They are now standing in front of him. So I wrote down four possible. By the way, if you come up with another one, oh, let me know. Let me know because I want to preach this. So if you come up with another one, but there's, to me, there are four possible ways he could handle this. He's standing, and you know, you can imagine he's got all these, you know, people around him and everything. All of a sudden he sees this group of shepherds, you know. Boy, who is that? And he sees ten of them. And as they walk closer, he goes, <laughs> Reuben looks pretty old. <laughs> well, there's my big brother. There's, there's Naphtali. Well, there's Simeon. Ooh, and there's my best brother, Judah, who sold me to the Ishmaelites. They're right in front of him. They're standing in front of me. Bow down. We need corn. We need food. Oh, you need more than that, buddy. Four ways he can handle this. Number one, punish them. Hey, guys, guess who it is? Takes off the thing. It's Joseph. No. No. Yes. And you guys, it's your turn to go in a pit now. It's your turn to be sold as slaves. You think you're going? No, he could punish them. That would be one way that he could handle that. And by the way, would he have a right to do that? Yeah. Man, eye for an eye, buddy. Render evil for evil. They did you wrong. You do them right. Punish them. Number two. And a lot of us will handle people this way. Number two. Huh. There's my brothers. <laughs> How interesting is this? He looks at his servants. Give them what they want. He never reveals himself. He never says that he's Joseph. He just says, just give them what they want. I'm done with that. That was a part of my life that is over now. I have forgotten those things which are behind. They are, I know who they are, but I don't even want to talk to them. It's over. It's done. What they did to me, look at what I am now. God has so blessed me. I don't, I don't even want them to even know who I am. And he could have handled it that way. Just, just give them their food. Get them out of here. And you know what? I'm being kind to them to even give them the food, and that's it. I don't want any kind of relationship with them at all. Forgiveness, forgetting. They're done. That'd be number two. Number three. Now, I want you to hear number three. Because I think our Christianity has really been permeated with this. Number three. He reveals himself right then. He starts crying emotionally. Guys, it's me. Come on up here. Oh, I love you guys. Oh, I love you guys. Guys, it's me. It's Joseph. Look at what's happened. Oh, guys, I got food for you. Oh, guys, I'll take care of you. Oh, guys, I forgive you. Oh, guys, I love you. Oh, guys, I love you. Oh, guys, I love you. And if that's what he does with them, he will never end up having the relationship that he needs to have. Because there's no consequences to what has occurred. Brother Taylor, is this legalism? No, this is called biblical reconciliation is what this is called. I'm telling you, you're going to have to be able to chew some meat for a minute. Guys, forgiveness is not really the goal. The goal is restoration of relationships. 
And if he just takes those guys right then and, and, and calves them, guys, it's me, it's everything's okay, and we got the food, we'll just live happily ever after, he will not have the relationship with them that he needs to because they need to go down the road of repentance for this relationship to really be restored. They need to experience this of what Joseph is going to do to really have the relationship. You see, guys, Christianity is all about relationships. And there is no higher word, the apex, the, the, the top, the summit of the mountain of Christianity is reconciliation. That's why God's called us to that ministry, that God would reconcile with us. So the fourth way that he could have handled. The third way, he could reveal himself right now, show them all the blessings, forgive them of their sin, have this emotional love. But I'll tell you, he will never have the relationship that he needs to have. And those guys will never develop the right relationship because it wasn't done right. There wasn't reconciliation. And number four, help them experience true reconciliation on the road of repentance that would change their relationship forever with Joseph. Because what Joseph really wants, that day when he sees his brothers, it's not that, I told you so. No, it's not that. Oh, are you gonna get punished? No, it's not that. It's not, oh, guys, I love you. It's not that. What he really wants with his brothers is a relationship. And in order to have that relationship, we got to go down the road of repentance to get to reconciliation. And that's the way that he's going to handle this. Okay, now we get to the message. Here we go. Our ministry of repentance. Number one, the realities about forgiveness and reconciliation. Man, I got five bullet points that you got to get. Number one, never more like God than when you are forgiving and reconciling with somebody. Guys, I really truly believe that you are never more like God than when you reconcile with somebody else. First John chapter four, verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man had ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Wow. And be kind one to another, Ephesians 4.32. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgiveth you. I truly believe you will never do anything that is more God-like than when you forgive your roommate and you reconcile with your roommate and you develop that relationship again. When you do that, when you begin to develop that relationship again, it's, a, you know what, I forgive you, let's just move on. No, no, no. Reconciliation is making a friend of somebody that hurt you. No, 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 I'll forgive them, I'll let it go, I erase the debt, but I, you know what, I do not want a relationship with that person again. You know what, I don't trust them anymore. Well, hold on to that thought. I don't trust them anymore, no way. No more relationship with them, but I'll forgive them, it's over, it's done. Guys, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And when we begin to develop and build that relationship back, I don't know when we are ever more like God. Number two bullet point, the basis of all forgiveness and reconciliation is based on what Christ has done for us. Everything about forgiveness is because of what Christ has done for us. So I can forgive and reconcile with anybody because 
God has forgiven me and reconciled with me. No one on this planet will ever do anything worse to me than what I did to Jesus Christ. And because Jesus Christ has forgiven me and has made me his friend, I can reconcile with anybody. Now, I'm going to give you four, four groups in just a minute, very remote reasons not to reconcile. Always to forgive, though. Reality is about forgiveness. The basis of all forgiveness is what Christ has done for you. Number three, this is really key about forgiveness. You are no longer the judge. You are no longer the judge. So here's what Joseph did. When he had Manasseh, Manasseh means to forget the past. He didn't forget his brothers. It's obvious he's coming for the food. But I'll tell you what happened when he had Manasseh, his firstborn. He said, I am going to forget the toil of the past. Here's what I'm going to do. I am no longer going to be Sibian's judge. I am no longer the prosecuting attorney to Reuben. I am no longer the jury against Judah. I have now taken the court case and I've allowed God to be the judge. God, whatever you want to do with my brothers, you got it. You do whatever you want to do with my brothers. But God, I am no longer in your place. You be the judge. Listen, folks, you will not last long in ministry if you do not learn this principle. People are going to hurt you all of your life. They're going to hurt you at West Coast. Teachers are going to say things that hurt you. Administration's going to say things that hurt you. You're, you're going to have roommates. You're going to have friends. The person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, your spouse, is going to hurt you guys. So you're going to have to learn something. You cannot keep being the judge, the prosecuting attorney, and the jury. You let the case go over to God. And you say, God... I forgive them. I erase the debt that they owe me. You do whatever you want with them, but I am no longer their judge. There are people in this room right now that you got, you got a court case about someone back home. It may be your mom and dad. It may be a sibling or someone in your church or a pastor or a coach or a teacher. You may have something right now going on that you are their judge. You need to let go of that judge. You need to say, God, I am no longer the prosecuting attorney. Here is the court case. Today in chapel, I let you be the judge of that situation. Brother Shea, you have no idea what they did. No, 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 no. That just makes the court case stronger, but you got to go, let go of that court case. You cannot move on in your ministry if you still are the judge, the prosecuting attorney, and the jury to something that happened to you. And I'm just telling you, whatever's happened to you right now, it doesn't get better later on, folks. People are going to hurt you. And you've got to learn, no, no, I am no longer the judge. Number four, forgiveness is an act and a process. Now, this has been one of the hardest things for me to learn. There has to be a moment in time that you say, I hope today, this morning in chapel, that'll be true for you. There's got to be a moment in time that you say, I am no longer the judge. There's an act. Right now, I've given you the court case. But I have to tell you, I've lived long enough that forgiveness is not just an act. It's also a process. There is times when that comes back. Lord, it's coming back up again. Her name came back up again. God, and I started going through the same thing again. God, his name, I saw him today again, and it all came back up again, God. Something was said in chapel. It made me, oh, Lord, I did the act of forgiveness. Now, let me tell you, Forgiveness is an act. There's got to be a moment where you say, God, I'm no longer the judge. But I'm going to tell you something. I've lived long enough. It's also a process. 
There's times when, and I think it is amazing how Joseph handles this process. Throughout this process, he becomes very, very emotional. A lot of things, I think he did it with Manasseh, but I think he's going through a process of reconciliation and forgiving through this whole thing and seeing his brothers. Forgiveness is an act and a process. And number five, under the realities, forgiveness is not the absence of consequences. Forgiveness is not the absence of consequences. College students, you've got to get a hold of this. You're going to be a parent one day, and your kids are going to say, I thought you forgave me. I did. But there's still consequences. Why do the consequences? There is now no condemnation. Oh, I sure hope that you know there's a difference between condemnation and consequences. Because if you don't, you're probably all messed up in your spiritual life. Guys, we will never be judged at the great white throne if we know Christ. There will never be an eternal punishment for our sins because of what Christ did. But guys, there is absolutely consequences when you sin. And by the way, God gives us those consequences so we stop sinning so that our relationship with God holds on to. Forgiveness is never the absence of consequence. So here goes. You know, Brother Shetler, I got somebody that I hurt. They said that they forgave me. But I got to tell you, Brother Shetler, they don't trust me now at all. They don't trust me at all. And your point? Well, they didn't really forgive me, did they? Oh, yeah, they did. One of the consequences of sin is a lack of trust. You can absolutely forgive and you can absolutely reconcile with somebody and still not trust them. I, I don't think I've ever heard that before, Brother Chuck. And yeah, probably you never have, and you probably really struggle with this. Well, I thought if you trusted someone, you had forgiven them. Not necessarily. Somebody may do you wrong, and maybe they've done it two, three times. You can honestly say, I have erased the debt that they owe me, and I even want a relationship with them. But I gotta tell you something, I don't trust them. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, when you become a parent, you will understand this a little bit better. But I tell you, I have forgiven my boys of a lot of things. And I know I love my boys. And I know I want a relationship with them. But there were a lot of things I go, I ain't trusting Drew in that. No way, Luke. I don't trust you with that. No way, Ben. It ain't happening. I don't trust you with that. Hey, there have been some things in my marriage with Mary Lee that I know Mary Lee forgave me. But I know I don't trust them. But I love my husband, I want a relationship with my husband, and I forgive my husband, and I want to reconcile with my husband. But you know what? Jim did something. I, I just don't sure I trust him right now in that area. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Forgiveness is not the absence of consequences. Trust can be damaged. Number two, privilege may be lost. You can lose a privilege and still have forgiveness and still have reconciliation. A Dorbsuit could lose his position, her position, because of something she did. That doesn't mean that the Blems don't want a relationship with him or her. That doesn't mean that the college is done with you and throw you on the shelf. Well, you're done now here. No, we still want a relationship with you. Well, they, they just, they, they took my privilege away. I guess they didn't really forgive me. No, no, no. You, you lost your privilege because that's the consequences of your sin. Guys, forgiveness is not about consequences. It's about relationship. And you can get contact. And I'll tell you the third. Shame may accompany sin. Shame may accompany sin. 
Hey, everyone together, tell me the rest of her title. Rahab the... Whoa, guys, you're pretty condemning. Whoa. Rahab the who? Why don't you call her Rahab the redeemed? Because that's what she is. The Bible calls her Rahab the harlot. Now, let me tell you something. Was Rahab redeemed? Was Rahab forgiven? Was Rahab reconciled with God? Absolutely. But she always had the shame of what she did. And I'm telling you about sexual impurity. There will always be shame. You lose your purity. There will always be shame. <gasps> That's my problem. I can never have a relationship with... No. You've got to be old enough now to start separating some of these things. God wants a relationship with you. But let me tell you something. There will always be shame. There are consequences to sin and forgiveness and reconciliation. By the way, they're going to go through these consequences. That's, guys, the consequences is going to make a better relationship between Joseph and, and, and his brother. See, that's, when I said what I said on number three, you guys kind of went like, yeah, I think that's what I would have done. We're in the age of grace. So those brothers come for food. I would have revealed myself right then, loved them to God and loved them to me, and we would have lived happily. No, you would not have lived happily ever after because they never really got it out of their life. And you would have never had the relationship that you should have had with them. That's why there is a road to repentance. Okay, very quickly. That was point number one. Point number two, remote reasons not to reconcile. I'm going to just mention them very quickly. Here we go. And I don't mean to be funny with the first one. It, it actually is very important to hear. Death. Death. Okay, you cannot reconcile with somebody who's died. But you can forgive them. You can forgive them even if they died. You may have a parent that's died. And you go, Brother Schiller, what they did to me, I got to live with that the rest of No, you don't. You forgive them. You will never be able to reconcile with them. They're dead. But you can forgive them. Okay, number two, geographic impossibilities. Okay, there may be somebody that you're not going to be able to reconcile with because they just live on the other side of the world. They live on the other side of the country. They live. You're not going to be able to reconcile with them. They're, they're because of a geographic impossibility. Number three, romantic relationships. Okay, if you've been in a romantic relationship with somebody, it wasn't good, it was bad. He hurt you, she hurt you, blah, blah, blah. There was a physical that you shouldn't have had. It's a bad relationship. Brother Shetler, I forgive him, I forgive her. Am I supposed to reconcile with him? No. I can't take time right now to explain it all, but I'm just telling you, once you get into a romantic relationship with something, somebody, you, you, you've, you've gone over some things now that there's no way that you're going to be able to reconcile and have this great little relationship with them. If it was bad, if the, you could definitely forgive them and have to, but you're probably not going to re, re, reconcile a romantic relationship. Number four, abuse. Abuse. I do not believe that you have to reconcile and have a relationship with somebody who's abused you. And if somebody's abused you, I do not believe that reconciliation is needed in that category. These are some remote situations, but in these remote situations, death, geographic impossibility, romantic relationship, and abuse, there was a, there's one more. And it's a pretty important one. It does take, it takes both people. You cannot reconcile with, by the way, that's the deal. 
those boys were not ready yet. Joseph, I think, was ready, but those boys were not. His brothers were not ready yet. And I do have to tell you, you cannot reconcile with someone that will not reconcile with you. You can forgive them. You can make a choice of your will to erase the debt that they owe you and let God be their judge. You can absolutely do that. But you cannot reconcile with them if they won't reconcile with you. See, there is a difference. Forgiveness is the front porch of reconciliation. But there are some differences. So there's five remote reasons why you cannot reconcile. Death, geographic impossibility, romantic relationship, abuse, and it takes both. Number th and now number three, our last point. And this is really the message. Repentance is the road to reconciliation. Everyone, quickly look back at that Genesis passage. You've got to see this. So the road to repentance, first of all, takes adversity. And this pricks the conscience. Something happens in your life. That's, it has nothing to do with the person who's hurt you. It has nothing to do with them at all, but there's adversity that comes in. Look at verse, uh, chapter 42, verse 1. Why do you look upon everyone? Guys, we're in a famine. Why are you sitting around looking at each other? Get over to Egypt. Well, it's because we feel kind of bad. We feel kind of bad because we're going through this famine right now, but we, it brought up what we did to Joseph in Egypt. Now listen, not all the reasons why you have adversity is because you have unforgiveness, okay? But I am gonna tell you, there may be some things totally unrelated with another person that's happening in your life right now to prick your conscience. Hey, you have never reconciled with that roommate. You have never reconciled with that person. You have never made that right with your parent. There are, you are going through some struggles right now at college, some adversity, and it may be because you need to reconcile with mom and dad. You may need to reconcile with a pastor. And, and there's things that are going, there's adversity that comes in the brother's life, and that adversity is to prick their conscience. Number two, there's admission. Look at chapter 42, verse 21. And they said one to another, we are very, okay, they, 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 a long story, but they're in jail right now. We are very guilty concerning our brother. And I believe that's the first time that that name has come up. They don't want to deal with it. But now they're at a the point of admission. Because of our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul coming out of that pit, when he besought us and we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. Okay, the road, to repen the, 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 the road is called repentance. The repentance road will lead to reconciliation. How does it do it? You get an adversity that pricks your conscience. God, are these things happening because I'm not right with so-and-so? Yep, that's exactly why you're going through this famine right now spiritually. God, I admit that I did wrong Lord, my attitude, my spirit, I have been unforgiving. I have been so bitter at that person. There's an admission. And then number three, there's action. There's action. Judah with Joseph is amazing. What Judah says in, uh, well, he actually speaks to his dad first in 43, verse 8 and 9. And Judah said unto Israel, Jacob, his father, hey, dad, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die both we and thou and also our little ones, I will be surety for him 
of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Now there's actions. This is so cool. We don't have time, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 11, verse 11, it says, how do you know you got godly sorrow that worketh repentance? Number one, there's a carefulness. Number two, there's a fear that I may fall into it again. Number three, there's a clearing of yourself. Number four, there's an indignation. That number five, there's a vehement desire to get over the sin. Number six, there is zeal. And number seven, there is revenge against the sin. There are actions that you take when you have godly sorrow that worketh repentance. And that repentance leads you to reconciliation. Hey, Lord, I need to forgive that person. But not only do I need to just say, hey, I just leave it at the altar. God, it's done. I erase the debt. Lord, I need to build a relationship back with them. Now, I'm telling you this. Outside of those five remote things, you do not have another reason not to reconcile to anybody no matter what they've done to you. Outside of those five things that I just said, reconciliation should be happening on our campus. Now, we are coming into a point of our semester now where people start hurting people. I mean, we're kind of past the honeymoon stage now. There's things going on in the room. Yeah, I know, and I forgive them. I just don't want a relationship with her. Shame on you, because you are supposed to have the ministry of reconciliation. You are supposed to develop. I do not want a relationship with her. You know what? He is a jerk, and I got to, I'll forgive him. I'll forgive him. We're done. That's, Joseph could have done that. Joseph wanted a relationship restored with his brothers. And guys, if we will ever see revival in the body of Christ, we got to start not just forgiving people, we got to start working at building relationships back again. Brother Shelley, this message is beyond my spiritual maturity. It may be, but I'm telling you what the scripture says. It's what Joseph did. It's what 2 Corinthians teaches, that we are to have not only forgiveness, we are to begin to rebuild a relationship with somebody that hurt us and we don't like their personality and we collide with their spiritual gift. But you know what? God wants us to have a relationship with them. And Lord, not only do I forgive them, I want a relationship with that person. That's tough stuff. That's meat, man. That ain't, that, that, that ain't a little candy, a little cookie. It's like, hey, here's the cookie of forgiveness. You forgive them and erase their debt. No, no. You reconcile with them. You develop that relationship with them.